Welcome to Stemming in Stilettos with Dr. Tasha, a podcast for and about women of color in STEM. These women are brave, beautiful, and brilliant. Their stories deserve and need to be heard. Their voice strong, their message clear, their experiences priceless. Now let's welcome this wonderful winning woman of color to the show. And welcome to the latest episode of Stimming in Stilettos with Dr. Tasha. And y'all, again, I say this every episode, but it's really true. I have a great guest. <laughs> I have a great guest on the show today, Miss um, Stephanie Moore. And I, I feel like we run in the same circles and we know some of the same people. Mm-hmm. And we kind of sort of like know each other by proxy. But I'm really glad to be talking with you today and welcoming you to the show. So welcome, Stephanie. How how are you? I am wonderful, Dr. Tasha, and thank you so much for inviting me to this most beneficial platform. I'm so very honored that you have selected me today, so I'm excited to chat with you. Man, let me tell you, I always feel like anybody who agrees to be a guest on the show and who agrees to tell their story um, is all right by me. And I'm always honored. I know. I mean, honestly, because there are so many people who so many women of color who don't feel safe enough to tell their story. And anybody who says yes and want and who wants to do that, um, I'm just incredibly honored to be the one um, whose platform you you do it um, with. So, ah, yes. <laughs> OK, so. Um, as I do with every single guest on every single show, Stephanie, please tell us your STEM story. Gladly. Uh, so my STEM story pretty much stems back to when I was seven years old, uh, like most of us, very inquisitive as a young girl. Um, I grew up in the home with my mom and my grandmother, always watching them fix things on their own. So um, my inquisitiveness took me to opportunities where I would take things and um, undo them and see how I could put them back together again. (laughs) I know um, this story really well. (laughs) Yeah, it's very popular, I'm sure. Um, My favorite thing to take apart and put back together was the rotary phone. Now, of course, I'm dating myself, but that was indeed the thing that I like to take apart the most and put back together. So, um, But, you know, with that, um, I started to think about, you know, what other kinds of things I could do. And someone had mentioned computer science to me. And so I took my first programming class in high school. Uh, In that class, I discovered that, you know, well, where are all the girls? Uh, And more importantly, uh, where are the other people of color? So I was uh, one of two girls in the classroom and the only African-American at the time. Um, High school was predominantly white, so that was not surprising. Mm -hmm. Uh, So with that... um, you know, as I start to prepare to go off to college, uh, working with counselors at the high school, I was told that I probably should consider uh, majoring in something else, not computer sciences, because it would be too difficult for me. Um, but so nonetheless, I continued and progressed and uh, went on to Norfolk State University, uh, majored in computer science, um, liked some of the classes, but then I start to realize uh, this is like minoring in math. So um, quickly did a turn and majored in business with an emphasis in computer information systems. So with that, I, um, you know, started my career out as a programmer, what I'd always wanted to do. So that um, has been that experience, that change was good for me because I felt like the entrepreneurial part of me 
uh, was able to take part in the school of business in addition to my computer information system classes. So um, yeah, uh, have a look back. <laughs> so let me ask you a question. So when you were <clears throat> you were at, back in high school and you were the only you were the only girl and you were the only um, black person or only person of color. Um, were you, how did that make, how were you, how did you deal with that? What was like, if you could, if you could give us like two, I don't know, coping mechanisms um, that you employed in order to get you through that? Um, so naturally I gravitated to the girl, but uh, again, um, she was, she didn't look like me, but um, that was the first thing I would do is gravitate towards the girl. And, um, you know, for the most part, it was just myself and her when whenever she felt like, you know, uh, being partnering on things. <laughs> yeah. um, but otherwise, I just kind of weighed through it on my own and, uh, you know, just kept telling myself I can get through this. Uh, but it was difficult. And I would say that if I had it to roll over again, I would certainly you know, like the opportunity to have even more people in the class that look like me or either mentors that look like me that can help coach me along the way. Right. I know that that's, and you know, I think that's a story that, you know, like a lot of us have had those stories, but I, mm-hmm. I think what we kind of do is that we sort of, I don't want to say we gloss over them, but we never really talk about like what things we had to do in order to sort of manage and get ourselves through it. Um, because the thought is, is like, well, you know, you, you guys just sort of did it. And yes, we did it because, you know, that's kind of what we do. But right. but like, how did we do it? So and the, you know, the many times where we've had to we had to swallow stuff. And mm-hmm. I'm sure we can talk about this as you as a programmer, being a black woman, a minority and, a, you know, through a double minority it, as a computer programmer. You've just had to, sometimes you've had to swallow stuff. that's just sort of like this tastes bitter. This tastes mm-hmm. nasty. <laughs> Still swallowing you know? today. <laughs> you know? And so, but I, that's the part that we don't, we don't necessarily always talk about. Like, right. so when you went to college, were you still the, were you still the only? I was not the only, of course, because Norfolk State University is an HBCU. Um, right. So there it was, uh, the difference there was that it was, uh, people of color, but mostly, you know, just a handful of girls, maybe two or three girls in the class at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, again, the isolation was there. Um, I had, I struggled a lot with just trying to figure out, you know, do I belong here? Um, I know what I want to do. Is this the only opportunity, only thing I can major in to, you know, actually do what it is that I'd like to do when I graduate? Right. Um, so I I did a lot of circling and assessment of that. And um, like I said, I found the happy medium for that. So, right. Um, yeah. But I mean, I think, so I think that's also a part of the story that we don't tell either, but I, I, you know what, what I don't know, because that wasn't my story is uh-huh. what it, because I went to a PWI. So I went to a predominantly white institution. So I know that's that struggle pretty well being being the first, not even the first, but, the, you know, mainly most times the only. Um, <laughs> but like to be at a to be at an HBCU and to be one of few. Um, I don't know what that story is like, you know, sort of trying to figure out and cope um, in that setting where everybody looks like me, but we have different genders in a class. That's Correct. a different 
of circumstances and <laughs> you know that I don't know you know honestly if I'm being completely honest with you that I've thought about um like what that would be like is it I mean I don't know because I don't I don't know if you you know if you can compare but like that's a that's a that's the thing also that we should probably highlight. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, people probably don't, I think today it's definitely different, but back then umpteenth years ago, um, yeah. it's uh, still, you know, women were, um, it just wasn't a heavily chosen field at the time. And I think for the very reasons, because there just weren't enough women didn't see themselves realized. So um, I think today it's much better and those problems are not persisting. So, yeah. I hope so. I really, I really do. I hope, you know, that, that a, you know, girls know that they can, you know, they can do anything they want to do, whether that's regarded as a male dominated field or not. Um, But also that young men know that women are capable, you know, because that's the other part of the equation. Like where, I mean, I know that I talk a lot about, you know, making sure that women are prepared, um, going into spaces where um, the environment may not be conducive to, you know, to their learning process and, and how they, how we, how we are as women. Um, we, and, but, you know, the flip side of that is like men's got, the men have to be prepared also. They do. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. So you get, you get your first job, you make it through college, you make the decision to pair together business and um, computer uh what is it? Computer information systems, right? I got it right. Yes, you got it right. <laughs> yes. Um, and which I think is really smart, by the way. I just, I mean, I think you're the first person I've heard say that, um, but it's really smart. Just really. Yeah. <laughs> I love the way you said that. Just, I, mean, I went off and I created my own business um, as a result of that entrepreneurial spirit. It didn't have anything to do with technology, but uh, I created it. It was successful and probably would be still booming today if I didn't have uh, a rack load of kids to take care of. But, um, <laughs> you know, without that business uh, background, I don't think that I could have got that business off and flourishing. So right. um, I think that it's always going to be beneficial to have that type of uh, knowledge. Yeah. I mean, I, I think back on it, I was like, man, I, I you know, I, might, I was like, I might be in a whole different place had I had I thought it all through. Um, no, I mean, seriously, I mean, I'm just, I just think that's so smart. Okay. So then you, you got into, uh, programming and so, and that's where you've been, that's where you've lived this whole time. Can you tell like, well, so what are you doing now? I guess that's the, that's the major question. Um, so yeah, after I got into the programming job, I did that for a little while and then I'd start to move around on the system development life cycle. So I worked a little bit in doing, um, some design requirements. Uh, testing is where I spent a great deal of my work. Um, I think that at the end of the life cycle, sometimes it gets, uh, it's an afterthought, but to me, it's the most important phase because it's right before it goes to release to the customer or client. Yes. And um, so I worked, let's see, PricewaterhouseCoopers and um, IBM both with management and cons- management consulting and IT firms. And there's where I did a lot of work um, that was coupled with, you know, consultancy. And then one of the projects I worked on was Victims Compensation Fund, which was the fund that was um, a part of the Department of Justice, uh, if you recall 9-11, and it was uh, focused around uh, handling management cases of personal injury claims and also death claims. So 
nothing remotely technical, but I felt like it was my way to indirectly fight the war on terrorism. So I did it. And um, as a result of doing that, I was uh, asked if I wanted to go for a top secret clearance. So I went ahead and did that. And um, that's how I've been in the intelligence community, supporting those initiatives here recently. So um, doing cybersecurity work. So very exciting times uh, in which we can, you know, do things to help protect our country's infrastructure. So I'm excited about that. So can you tell people which, okay, all of that is amazing to me, um, just so you know. Um, uh-huh. but can you can can you tell people about sort of like the connection between like cybersecurity um, and IT? Because I know people know that there's a relationship, but some like people ne- don't necessarily put it to IT, computer programming, cybersecurity. Like they're all they have a relationship, but I don't know if people have been able to sort of put them all together. They do. There's there's so many facets to it. But, you know, when I start to talk to people about cybersecurity, I the first thing I do is I try to break it down for them and ask them, you know, um, would you like to know about the policy side or the technical side? So there's you know, that's the first thing you want to know if you're going to be doing more of the policy that helps drive how you do the technology or if you want to just do the technology. So then if you if you decide to do the technology on the side where I am, then there's offensive and defensive cybersecurity. Um, offensive, it would be more of a means to protect before your attack. And then the defensive is to determine uh, what you do after you've been attacked to keep yourself from being attacked again. Uh, So but with that, there's all types of um, IT skills built into that. Um, The biggest thing would be information assurance, which if you've heard of heard of that, those are people that um, know about all the different risk management factors that you would need to consider as you think about plans for building your company's posture to make sure they protect themselves. Um, So those people can be very technical or not. Um, There's certification, industry certifications that are associated with some of those uh, skill sets. And I know for us, we really like to, uh, if people are coming right out of college, they don't have experience. If we see that on their resumes, we're excited about that because we already know that they have a basis for understanding what it takes to be a successful cybersecurity professional. So, um, it, it like you said, it's so many facets to it. Um, you know, there's AI is starting to be artificial intelligence is starting to be uh, parts mm-hmm. of things that we can use. Um, machine language. There's just so many things that we're trying to use to think about beforehand. What do right. we need to know that we can, you know, get our posture in a place where we're not attacked by our adversaries? So let me ask you a question because, like right now, what was the latest thing I I, I heard? But Oh, I know what I wanted to, I want to ask you. Okay. So, and this, you know, it's about Howard. So, you know, you know, they just, you know, I'm talking about the, the, the cyber attack um, that they had on campus. And Uh I guess the part of me, this is sort of like, how does that happen? Like, how does that happen to like a major university? I, I was just floored. And, and, and like, what, I don't know. I, I guess that's my question. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, there's there's all sorts of things that could happen. You know, even with external things that can happen, there's also insider threats that could happen. But um, right. the situation with Howard University made me very nervous in that I started to think about all the HBCUs. You know, um, do we have enough funding allocated to that? Because you know, oftentimes HBCUs, um, the funding is not, you know it doesn't compare to a lot of the PWIs. So 
you know, how we're right. investing money, where we invest, where we're investing money. Uh, you know, what are we doing about making sure that we have everything that we need to protect the university? Because there's so many things. There's, you know, PII information that we're protecting. There's um, university, um, you know, research and things that we need to protect. There's a lot of things that we need to protect and people are coming after that. So right. um, I'm not sure what the final result was, but I think they did get things under wrap. And when we when those things happen, you have to kind of get them under wrap really quickly. So right. There's probably late nights and staying up. There's probably third parties that they reach out to to help to get, you know, help get them on track really fast. Um, I actually just did some research. Um, a part of my capstone, actually, for uh, my upcoming graduation was um, a study on a university and just trying to look at what their current posture was. So I did research to ask them where they were in their survey. And, um, you know, they had some things they needed to prove upon. They did some things really right. But then there's some things that were wavering and. You just want to make sure every aspect of that is tightened, every aspect. Right. So let me. So again, this is because I I don't know. Um, I am I'm I'm a novice. Uh, I mean, seriously, I feel like I'm like one of those end users that might you know might click on the wrong thing and like yeah. totally corrupt my system. I think that I'm still I'm still that person, right? right. Even though I feel like I I you know, I am extra careful and I've got all of the, you know, like, I feel like my computer is locked down, but at the mm -hmm. same time, you know, a simple opening a you know, a weird email that looks like it could be some from somebody, you know, um, could unleash, you know, all sorts of havoc on your computer. Um, and so I guess in my mind, I'm like, if a major university, which I, I, I know you're right, especially as it relates to to HBCUs and PWIs in terms of funding and, and like being able to build the infrastructure to be able to handle something like that. Absolutely mm -hmm. the truth. They, and we need to do, we need to be, we need to do our due diligence about it, but we also need to make sure that if you're an alum of an HBCU, you need to be supporting the cause because absolutely right. You know, so and there's there's just simple things that universities can put in place or any establishment for that matter, especially when you have that many people, the risk increase. So anything right. like, you know, like when you're just logging on to email, you need like a two factor authentication. You know, at this point, we shouldn't just be logging on the email. We should be logging on the email and, and having a, you know, a code, you know, you get the confirmation code back to say, hey, this right. is going to be to you particularly. There need to be at least two steps so that you make sure that that person is who they say they are. Um, right. But you're good when you say that you're paranoid about a lot of things. You should be. If you get an email and it looks weird to you and you weren't expecting it, I wouldn't even. I mean, it's it immediately delete. Um, okay. And if you're in an organization that has like a cert team, uh, people that handle the incidents response, uh, right. I would just send it to them directly um, and not have to try to figure out if this is real or not. Um, because right. the first thing you want to do is open something up. Like if you're at a university and a student opens something up, it could affect the whole university. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm okay with I'm okay with being paranoid. Like, you know, I will get mad <laughs> friends. Um, paranoid is good, right? If I haven't heard from them in a long time and they just send me a message at like two, three o'clock in the morning and say, hey, how are things? I write them back and I ask them a question that I know that only the two of us would know. Like, for instance, when did you pledge and what was your line number, something like that? Right. <laughs> so if they can't answer that for me, I am definitely blocking them. And then at that point, I go ahead and change my email. So that's the best thing, best practice you can get into is you see 
weird activity, go ahead and change your email and probably on all your accounts just because they've got something and all it takes is a thread, you know, it takes one oh. thread and start digging and oh my gosh, it's scary how fast they can get to your personal information. So, so you mentioned earlier, which I think is really um, interesting. And I don't know if I had thought about it in that way that like you, it's sort of like offensive offense and defense. Um, mm-hmm. Are we on my side as a user, are we, are we the defensive players? And is there a way for us to be the, become the offense? You want to be the offense. Okay. We want to be. Okay. Yes. If you get attacked, then you want to start building defenses so that you won't be attacked again. Okay. How do we are. Okay. So I guess, and this is great. I I mean, I love this. So how, how can we be um, offensive? Um, so again, just some of the simple things, like I said, you know, two-factor authentication, uh, double-checking okay. your net. If you have wireless networks at home, making sure that all those networks um, have the right level of security on them. Um, mm-hmm. And then, if you have people visiting and you're passing, you're passing on to them your passwords. You know, make sure you kind of know what they're doing because um, as you do those kinds of, it just it just increases the level of threat as you introduce other things into your network. So, um, and most of us have networked um, devices and things at home now. Right. So should we, like when we have guests over, should we just, should we have a network that's just related to guests or, or just is one, or should, should we be doing things like that? Uh, if you have one dedicated to just guests, yes, that's wonderful. Um, for me, if I'm having a visitor in my home and you're not somebody I know well enough, I may change my passwords. Mm, okay. 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 So, like that. so, then, so then defense, how, how are we playing defense? So that's when that's after defense is after we've been attacked. Right. Um, you know, if you have antiviruses uh, scanning on your system, you want to make sure to keep those running regularly. I would say have them auto run um, just to make sure and check every now and then to make sure you have any, don't have any unusual activity on your system. So what's the best one? What's the best antivirus? Uh, in your opinion. I, I would probably say McAfee. Really? That's, that's what I see the most popular. Um yeah, I would I would probably say McAfee. That's probably going to be the, the one that's um it's the most frequented, at least that I know of. That's what I have at this point. Um and I right. haven't had any problems. Okay. Okay. I don't know why I'm surprised by that, but I'm, I'm surprised, but I, I will. There's there's Windows Defender, um, which, you know, also available. Um, But yeah, I think most, most widely used McAfee. Okay. All right. So there you have it, you guys, Uh, offensive and defensive. Like, I mean, who knew? Uh, I'm going to be, cause I, I really don't think I thought of it in quite that way before. So having you break it down, um, for me, um, it's really helpful. Like, okay. I mean, you know, it's like I'm, you think about cybersecurity, everybody's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but you know, I don't know. I can just speak for myself and say there, there, there are times when, like, I think I'm doing a good thing, but I don't really actually know. You know, and so having having you talk, I mean, so, you know, like they say I need uh, antivirus. Okay, well, I'm gonna go get an antivirus, you know, uh, software, put it on my computer. I should be good, right? Um, 
and and that's about the extent of it. So it's sort of like our knowledge of what is really happening behind the scenes is so, or at least I'll just speak for myself, is cursory at best. And right. so what ways can we um, can we educate ourselves about what's happening? Um, so I, whatever system you have, whether it's a Mac or uh, Windows, make sure that you, if they're offering updates, please do the updates because at some point they've seen some vulnerabilities come across and vulnerabilities means that there's a weakening in the system where uh, hackers might be able to get in and take control of your system or, or plant something on your system. So they've discovered a vulnerability. And when they have these software, uh, it's not, sometimes they have software releases just for enhancement, but a lot of times they're also uh, addressing some of the vulnerabilities that needs to make your system better such that, um, you know, you're not going to be attacked. So, when you see system off uh, software updates, please run the updates. It's important to do that. Wow. So and it's so funny because I was just, I don't know who I was talking to, but they have a Mac. And I think they're like two updates behind. And they had oh, they the firmware. I, I'm behind with that as well. So <laughs> <laughs> um, the firmware updates are a, a little bit different in that um, it's exactly that, the firmware. I I'm probably too behind myself, but um, what I'm definitely speaking of when it comes to like Windows, how they have like the they have like multiple updates. I think they do them every other Tuesday just to do like enhancements and things of that nature. So uh, if you have Windows, they do them quite regularly. And I would want to make sure that I'm working to the latest and greatest updates. Um, if you'll notice, sometimes if you're trying to run apps on your um, iOS phone or um, any of your other iOS devices, yeah. They will sometimes tell you, we're not going to allow you to run this unless you do this update. So like yeah. a software update. So sometimes you'll see that. And, you know, that's just their way of saying, hey, we're really trying to protect you. Mm. So, yeah. Okay. So, I mean, actually, I think that's really good because I, I promise you, I just be like, okay, so now you're going to shut down my phone for two minutes? Like, what the what? Like, I I mean, you know, honestly, and I, I'm, I feel some kind of way because I'm like, you know, I'm pretty darn smart, right? But this is an area that feels, it's a gray area. There's like so much I feel like I don't know about it. I understand that it's important, um, but there's another part of me that knows that I don't feel like I know enough. Um, well, and the funny thing about that, Dr. Tasha, is it is always changing. It is always growing, like from three months to six months, something's new something's changed. It's just, it's hard for us all to keep up actually. And that's what I tell a lot of people that go into any of the um, engineering fields is you need, you need to be able to ready to your, yourself to learn and keep up and learn something new every day because it changes so frequently. Wow. I love that advice. Um, and actually that's sort of not, cause I think there's a level of anxiety or at least for me, because I've been, I've, I've had, a, you know, my computer be hijacked before. Oh no. Um, and it's so funny, so because you both, well, when I was uh, when I was in academia, I was on a SACS visit. Um, I was on an accreditation visit, and I had um, a b beforehand they had given us the you know the documents that we were supposed to review, um, and then we went on site, and um, I plugged in I plugged in the the jump drive to my computer, and my computer started acting funny. And I was just like, oh, what is this? What is this? By the time I got back home three days later, <laughs> the computer was 
it was, they were like, there's nothing we can do. Like oh, I lost wow. all, I lost my files. I, I mean, I had backed some of them up on like, you know, in the cloud and all that stuff, but mm-hmm. I lost so much. I lost research information. I lost papers. I lost data. I lost like student information. I, it was, Painful. I was so devastated. <laughs> I, mean, I can only imagine. I've been in those kinds of situations too. Oh my God. So I never want to have, you know, want it to happen to me again. Um, you know, but I'm, I'm always like, man, I just feel like this is an area where I just don't know enough. Like I know what people are saying and I know to do the basics, but like, mm-hmm. I'm a person who likes to know stuff, right? Like, how does this work? Why does it work the way it works? Cause I was that girl, like you were saying, who, you know, would break up stuff. I wouldn't say break it. I would take apart stuff and put it back together. And so that is how I learn best. And so this is one area where I'm like, I'm struggling to get it. Like I get it, but I'm struggling to get it. And right. I, but you're saying that that's kind of the norm. It's the norm. I say tread lightly. And like I said, I'm okay with being paranoid. Um, <laughs> every little, like, I don't like to add a bunch of apps to my phone. I just, I just feel like there's ways for people to get into one of those apps and just take over your phone. So I, I think about all those things and it's okay. Like I said, just, just think about what could be, um, <laughs> And yeah, I would just limit to, you know, how much access you give um, on your phone or any other device. Got it. Got it. Okay. So question, another, another question for you is Uh where do you, and this may be a broad question, but in, where do you see us as a nation in about 10 years as it relates to IT, cybersecurity, computer programming, like that sort of tie in together. What do you see? Like, what do you, what do you think is the big thing that's going to, that's happening? Um, Well, so when I think about the global competitiveness of it all, um, you know, we of the U S is behind the marks. We're always looking at what other countries are doing. You know, we're we're not like where China is with some of our developments and things of that nature when it comes Mm -hmm. to uh, technology. Mm -hmm. Um, but where I would like to see us be um, is such that the workforce is much more diverse. Mm. Uh, there are so many different aspects of any STEM related field where we are just missing the mark and making sure um, that we diversify the workforce. Um, you know, as it relates right now, women make up about 40, 47% of the workforce, but however, we're still underrepresented in STEM fields. Yeah. Um, so, I just feel like we have so much work to do, um, and it's important that we understand that having diverse um, mindsets and, and talents come, it's going to open up solutions for us to be able to put ourselves in the forefront of where we need to be when it comes to um, information technology and or engineering. Um, you know, I see things that are on the forefront of the future. AI, uh, artificial intelligence is becoming um useful in more ways than one in all aspects of STEM. So um, people that are trying to decide where they want to go next, I think AI is like the next big thing, you know, for a long time it was cybersecurity, but now it's cybersecurity using AI. So um, yeah, there's, there's so many facets, but I think that's going to be one that's um, on the top. Uh, Also machine learning, 
um, that's big in um, data scientists. You hear a lot of those things, at least uh, in the customer I support, those are things that they're really looking forward to, um, you know, incorporating in their solutions for the future. So uh, I think that it's uh, time and, you know, we need to encourage our young people who are coming through the pipeline to consider some of these opportunities as well. Okay. I, there was so much rich, so much richness in what you just said. Um, yes, we are in, we, we, we're not looking all that well. I mean, in terms of, of, of minorities in STEM and women in STEM, okay. I, I don't think the needle has moved much like within the past, you know, 10, 15 years, needle really hasn't moved. Um, I think more of us in terms of women of color are telling our stories, mm -hmm. um, lately, especially since, um, since Hidden Figures came out and there was this big, like, people were surprised, which, yeah. you know, I find comical and I kind of chuckled and I'm like, did y'all really think that we just, you know, arrived, like there were, <laughs> we were just these, these anomalies in space, like you got, you know, that clear people are the only smart people that exist or the only people who can, you know, figure stuff out. Like, I just, I would laugh at people who are just like, oh, I just didn't know. Really? <laughs> Yes, that really? is certainly the response. Um, you know, it's just like uh, to get all the way over yourself, like all the way. Okay. Right. Um, so yeah, you're right. The, the numbers have, um, you know, there's just been a slight uptick in the number of uh, women of color going into engineering fields. And I think one thing that I'm thinking about, though, is as they get into those fields and they want to progress, I think that there's probably uh, another, you know, not dead stop, but another hard means for them to actually progress and be like the next uh, chief yep. of some of those engineering efforts, you know, the leadership aspect. Um, it's hard for women, I think, once we get into careers like engineering, IT, et cetera, uh, because we go off and we need to be moms, you know, we don't have time to go get the training. It's it's a lot to manage and make sure that you can still stay on top of your um, technical acumen as it changes so frequently. So, uh, right. The idea would be just trying to make sure we can, we, we're getting more people in engineering, more women and keeping them there, keeping right. them there, and making sure that they can progress. Yeah, that's the, that's the, that's why the podcast exists for me. That's why you and I both work, you know, work, do the work that we do outside yeah. of our work work um, mm -hmm. is to, you know, to make sure that, you know, when young girls who have an interest, who are showing interest really know, like you can do this and that, and, we can we can tell you the lessons that we've learned along the way. So, hey, you don't have to learn them, and you can go one step further. Um, I really agree with you when you when you're talking about sort of moving up the ladder. We know that there's a a real like there's a there's a dearth where we currently stand. Mm -hmm. um, but like when we try to when we talk about CEOs, C-suite people, like we are not there. We're right. not there. And so that's the next, I don't even know what we want to call it. I'll just say thing for right now that we yeah. have to, I don't know, have to conquer, but I would like to see us really be intentional about going after and going through and making sure that the people in the pipeline, like the pipeline actually leads to a spot, Absolutely. you know, and not just a, don't give me a platitude. Don't give me a, a story. Don't talk to me about budget and salary negotiate. I don't want to hear it. I want a spot 
at the table. And then when I get at the table, I want to make sure that my spot is not some honorary. Yep. That you're you heard. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right. My voice, my voice is my voice for a reason. I'm in the room for a reason. And when we get in the room, let's make sure that our voices are are heard um, in right. really real meaningful ways. That's what I would really like to see us really work on and work through and be very diligent and intentional about. Intentional. I love that word. I love <laughs> it so much. Well, not, let's not just say it. Let's live it. You so. know? Um, but yeah, that you're absolutely right, Dr. Tasha. Yeah, that's the, I, I see it. Um, I see that's the, 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 the next thing that we need to be doing as a collective, um, group of, group of people. I just, there's too many, there's still too many, like, I think I saw a poster the other day where they were, they were doing like the fortune 500 or maybe it wasn't, it might've been, or might've been like the 500 CEOs, 500 CEOs in tech. And I think out of the 500, there were like literally maybe 20 mm. who were who were people of color. And out of the 20, there may have been maybe four who were women yeah. of color. And mm-hmm. that and 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 if we're gonna get very specific, I think there was only two that were black women. And wow. um now again, this is a microcosm of like, you know. I don't know who chose these 500, right? I don't know any of that stuff, right? So like, so keep it in perspective, but still I'm just like, man, for real? Out of 500, (laughs) there's only two? (laughs) What? I mean, you know, the simple simple things I look at is sometimes if, if I'm on a floor at work and I've been at work for a while and I go in the restroom and the lights are off because there's been no women in there, that's a problem. Right. That's a problem not enough of us on this floor. Right. I, and I actually look at where, so I'm doing, um, I'm currently doing a contract role um, at a college and I'm working in their um, operations and engineering office, right? Mm-hmm. They didn't even have a bathroom for women. Oh, wow. <laughs> I had to travel to a whole different floor to go to the restroom. Oh my gosh. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Into today? Yeah. That's wild. Yeah, it's it, true. And so then they were all like, oh, you know, we didn't really think about it. Well, you know, because you didn't have to, because because there were no women here. Right, right. You know, so yeah. and I was like, and you should be, you should be shamed. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> should be shamed. That's, that's, that's that on that. I have one question. I have this one question that I really want you, I just want you to define it. So you were talking about earlier machine learning. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you define it? And let me ask you this question. Cause are, are you a little bit afraid of machine learning? <laughs> um, so I'm not a big machine learning person, but I feel like if uh, yeah, if our adversaries and people of that nature already learn it, we have to learn it. Right. Um, it can you can do a lot with analyzing data. So um, as part of artificial intelligence, people that have machine learning and know how to manipulate algorithms 
to build model bases of things that might be yeah. and be able to, you know, run different um, protocols and tests on those things. I don't, I'm not afraid of it, but I, it's big and it's bigger than me, but I know that those people that do that work are very important and key in making some of those determining factors about things that could be for us, especially when they think about large amounts of data. Yeah. I mean, I, I'll just say this from what I've been, so here's a, here's a bit of, I don't know, random data, I guess, but in, I've taken a couple of data science, data analytic um, classes and, and gotten, gotten a couple of certificates. Um, but I've always stopped short at like taking some like machine learning classes because mm-hmm. I'm just sort of like, I don't know what that is. And then there's another, you know, enough in my mind. I'm just sort of like, do I really want to be a part of this? Like, because I, I guess I'm thinking of like old time movies where like the machine becomes smarter than you, <laughs> and 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 it and it's and it's outboxing us. And and I'm thinking, I don't know if I want to be a part of that um, in any way, shape, or form. I just, yeah, that's where I land. And I know that's a that's probably where. That's probably where, I'm, well, I won't even say a lot of people, but in my mind, it's sort of like it has a kind of conspiracy theorist kind of angst to it from me anyway. Well, I mean, if you do, if you do a lot of research, which I'm sure you probably do as a PhD, um, yeah. you want to get you somebody that's, you know, highly um, skilled in machine learning and think, get them to help you create some algorithms and things of that nature to look at your data. Uh, I think it's helpful. Um, you know, if, if you don't, if you're sprayed away from it this long, get somebody that's already doing it and have mastered it. That's what I'd say. Yeah, I have to agree with you. I'm like, I'm gonna let y'all do that. I'm gonna stay over here where I feel like I'm safe. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm safe over here. I, I can analyze data. I actually really enjoy that. Um, I can, you know, gather and uh, glean meaning from the data that I've gathered. I, okay, I'm, this is, I'm familiar with, I got this over here. Um, but when we start talking about applying it to an algorithm and sort of changing, you know, sort of like outcomes in that way, I'm like, ah, I, I don't think I'm ready yet. I don't think I'm ready. <laughs> I mean, if you're if you have a means by which you already aggregate and look at your data, it's probably going to be a good thing. And then somebody maybe that's a learning a machine learning expert can help you gradually improve its accuracy. So um, I think you're on the you know, I think it's a good idea to just kind of like whatever you currently do with it, then you can take it and just kind of see if you can improve the accuracy of it. I hear what you're saying. I hear it. <laughs> <laughs> I hear, I hear the words that you're saying. I do. <laughs> uh, okay, Stephanie. So tell us um, where you can be found, and if people are looking for you, what's upcoming? Um, what's upcoming for you? And um, yeah, and what's what? What's next? Uh, well, look. The most important thing is I'm getting ready to graduate. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. December 19th, I can't wait. Um, I'll be graduating from The Ohio State University with a master's in global engineering leadership. Um, And I'm especially proud that I am the, I'm one of six women, but the only African-American woman to complete this particular discipline. So um, that's exciting. And with that, I'm going to be helping them to 
you know, change the makeup around this program and make sure that we get people of uh, not just people of color, but people, you know, women that are of color as well, because uh, I just didn't see a lot of that. So um, but if people are looking for me, I can be found on LinkedIn at Stephanie Collins Moore. On Facebook at Stephanie Michelle Moore on Twitter at Steph Mo, that's S-T-E-P-H-M-O-E-3. And then also on Instagram at Steph, S-T-E-P-H dot Moore, M-O-O-R-E-0-3. Got you. Okay, so congratulations. I can't even, wait, can I just say, and I mean this, I'm so excited for you and I cannot wait to see what you do. and please know uh, that I am, I will support in any way that I can support. You, I I, you have an open seat on the show, anything you want to promote, talk about, whatever. I am here for it. I'd be so excited for you. I just, I, if you could see me, I'm smiling. Um, Thank you. But I just, I want to see us win in all the ways that we can. And this is a win. Absolutely. And I mean, you know, that's what it's all about when it all boils down to it, you know, uh, hoping and wishing for others and waiting for our blessing. Um, You know, we got to celebrate others while they're in their moment. So I really appreciate your support uh, in that. And again, for inviting me here today. Man, listen, like I said, open seat. Just, you know, (laughs) hit me up and be like, I need a I need a moment. Let's do it. Let's let's do it. You heard it here first. Um, it's done. It is done. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Okay. So last question. And this is a question that I ask all my guests. Okay. Um, if you could travel back through time and talk to your younger self, what advice would you give her and why? Oh, wow. Yes. So if I could go back in time and talk and chat with my younger self, I would tell myself not to worry that I don't know everything at that time. Um, And that is because I think it's healthy for us to learn something new every day um, and then make sure that what we're learning is relevant for the times. But, you know, I always felt as a little girl that I didn't know enough. I wanted to know everything and, you know, that it just should be in phases. Yeah. Yeah, man. I love that so much um, because I think, you know, as young people, we live, we don't live in the present. We live in the future. Mm -hmm. Um, And then as older people, we are, you know, sometimes we live in the past and we don't live in the present. So like telling them just sort of like, just be here in this moment. It'll come. is super important. It is. is. uh, All right. So you guys, this concludes this episode of Stimming and Stilettos with Dr. Tasha. Okay, Stephanie, I love you. I just I you. keep doing I, what you do, Dr. Tasha. <laughs> Thank you so much for, for agreeing to be a guest on the show today. And I know that this episode is literally going to change somebody's life. So I really I'm so appreciative about that. Thank you. <laughs> All right, you guys. So as I end every show. Uh, Please keep yourself safe and take care. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Stimming and Stilettos. 
Please check out the show notes to get additional information about today's guest or today's topic. You can find the podcast on every major podcast platform. You can find additional information about Dr. Tasha at www.drtasha.com. Thanks again, and don't forget to tune in every Tuesday for the latest episode of Stemming in Stilettos.